Welcome to the Coach Haas Podcast, powered by Sports Rehab PA, along with our sponsors. Buy Optimizers Masszymes, 100% plant-based, naturally derived, best digestive enzyme blend out there right now. Highly concentrated with enzymes that digest proteins, starches, sugars, fibers, and fats. Helps to relieve indigestion, gas, bloating, and fatigue after meals. Take it with the meals to enhance the digestion and nutrient absorption. Also helps to improve recovery after hard exercise and hard efforts. So go to buyoptimizers.com and use code JUICY for 10% off. Kaler Core Training Systems. The Kaler Core column training is the next step in the evolution of strength development, preventing training injuries, and elevating core fitness to maximize athletic performance. The column core is used to help remap the central motor patterns for functional movements to ensure that the movement quality is efficient before loads and demands. Helps to increase strength, flexibility, and speed by 16%, reduces training injuries by 75%, works quickly in six short weeks, helps to strengthen the core in the back, used with multiple Olympic level athletes, NCAA athletes, as well as pro athletes in the NFL and other sports. Visit KaylorCore.com to find out more about the training systems. Also, check out Fit Life and Sports Rehab, Ivy Rehab, for understanding the systems as well in this facility. This is a podcast that was inspired by our curiosity in several areas, and some of those include sports performance, sports injury, team training, recovery nutrition, ACL rehab and recovery, personal development, and fitness entrepreneurship. We also have a 15-minute segment called The 15-Minute Juice. It will be a continuation of the podcast, just in shorter clips, answering questions on physical therapy, rehabilitation, return to play after injury, training, and all things fitness. It's fast, it's concise, it's juicy. Okay, welcome to the Coach House Podcast, and today um, I'm out in sunny Florida again, Friday. Mike, you never know where I'm going to pop up with my backgrounds. This is an actual <laughs> background. This is not a this is not a virtual background. This is actual palm trees and and things like that. Um, I was telling you guys off air as I was getting ready to set up outside. Three people decided that they wanted to picnic right where I was going to set up. So. While I'm doing this, I'm trying to figure out a good spot for me to sit down and, and you know, continue. But today, we hit a freaking Grand Slam, Mike. We hit an absolute Grand Slam. This is like a year and a half in the works. Uh, we've tried in and out to get her on. Uh, we kind of did a little sneak peek about it on one of my stories. Um, Erica Suter is... She's also in Florida. She is a All-American. She's a Hall of Famer. She's a two-time publisher, which we were talking off air about, which is like completely impressive. Like I can barely read a book, let alone write them. You know, so she's written two already. Uh, she's in the same exact wheelhouse that we're in, you know, and I've been following this girl and I and I said this to her. Uh, I've been following her since she was in Baltimore and just I probably since Instagram had started 
And just watching her grow and watching all the things that she's doing, I was telling her, I'm just like, I'm, I'm like a proud dad, you know? It's just so great to see these things happening. And especially for the females, like our business is 85% female athletes, right? And on top of that, female soccer athletes because of where we were or where I was in Pennsylvania and where you are now, it's a hotbed for soccer. There's other sports going on there, but that's the hotbed. So, you know, I mean, I could just ramble on and on and on, but without further ado, I want to welcome the fit soccer queen, Erica Suter. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I know it's been a lot trying to plan this podcast, but we made it and I'm excited to talk today. We made it. And I know that Mike has got a ton of questions. Um, him and I just did a, a podcast last night on pelvic floor. And that was very interesting. I had very, you know, again, kind of like as we talked about it, I was thought it was more about females. And here come to find out it's just as common in males as it is in females. Uh, but today we're going to talk, we're going to talk ACL, we're going to talk strength training, we're going to talk all kinds of things, and it's going to be geared again toward the female athlete. You know, no bias to the guys here, um, but some of this does pertain to them. But for the most part, this is where we want our female athletes to really listen to what this woman has to say today. This is this. I mean, we're we again, we tried for a year and a half to do this, so we're we're gonna we're gonna get the most out of this one. So. Kind of give us a little bit of background on, on on how you got to where you are now and, and you know what you did growing up. I started playing soccer when I was five years old and I just naturally fell in love with it and just had this pure joy for the game. And I think that's probably because I grew up playing recreationally until about high school. So uh, nowadays you see a lot of really young kids enter the travel system, but I didn't enter the travel system until I was like 13, 14 years old. So I was able to have a childhood with a lot of different activities. I tried ballet and gymnastics. I played a little bit of lacrosse and I also had a brother and I played with his friends growing up in the neighborhood, a lot of like baseball and tackle football and capture the flag and foursquare and tetherball and all these fun games from the nineties that we loved that really just developed us into really competent athletes. And so by the time I became a high schooler, I was so naturally talented at soccer from having all these athletic skills. And I said to my parents um, at that time, I'm now serious about this. I want to try out for a travel team. And when I went to those tryouts, I wasn't really nervous because I felt really confident in my athletic and soccer ability and I ended up making one of the best teams in the state of Maryland, but that is the soccer club. And I played with them for several years in high school um, when I was getting recruited to play in college. And I also did a lot of like strength, speed and conditioning during that time. Um, I actually had started that in middle school, continued all the way through high school and also in college with the same strength coach as well. So I just, yeah, I just became this well-rounded athlete and that eventually took me to play soccer at Johns Hopkins University. And I actually turned down several division one authors offers and people thought I was crazy at the time. But for me, I really liked the, the team at Hopkins. I liked the culture and the traditions that they had. And I just wanted to go to a smaller school and uh, coach Leo Weil at the time told me that I would be a starter as a freshman if I came in and worked hard and 
he fell through on that. He, he followed through on that promise. And I started all four years and just had a, a fun career and really loved the memories with the team and the rest is history. And now I, I coach full time and I've been doing it for almost 11 years. And I mainly do performance training because mm -hmm. there's a huge need for that in the soccer world. Um, I did do a little bit of skills training early on, but I started to realize I was overtraining a lot of the girls with a lot of what they had already had and they weren't getting strong enough. So I, I switched and uh, went back for my master's degree in exercise science and got my CSCS and just went full into the performance training side. Wow. Oh man. Mike, where do we start? Well, Eric, I listened to you on the Mike Boyle podcast that Joe sent me. It was like uh, two weeks ago. It's actually driving up to get my taxes done. And I, this is a great time to just, you know, <laughs> listen to this. And uh, I told Joe, I was like, I feel like we're having a conversation with like replicas of ourselves because we've been preaching everything you've been saying since we started to really get into this together, like right before COVID and we started doing a lot of research about everything that goes into this whole ACL epidemic and all this. And we love doing this podcast because we love bringing on individuals like yourself, who is just another voice to explain and like your background there really warrants like your ground to stand on to talk. Cause I feel that sometimes I think just some patients might think that I'm just saying stuff just to dupe them into making business. Like, let me just say this to scare them in to come in and just pay money for PT. Yep point blank yep. and it's, yep. it's more than that you know if all I wanted to do is just make money I'd be doing something else trust me you know PT it's hard work it's a lot I feel like you know there's a lot of uh, coaching and just you know just mental and physical and you know all the stuff that goes in with working with people uh that you have to it has to be more than just the money you know um and it's just such a dynamic you know uh just a, such a dynamic field that we're on um and just it amazes me too at just how this epidemic is continuing and, and the numbers that we're seeing on the PT side and um, the things that surgeons are doing to try to, you know, maybe try to make these uh, surgeries a little bit better and better outcomes. But the reality is, is, you know, these, these injuries are still happening. They're not slowing down. And uh, really our, our youth kind of is, uh, I feel like in a bad spot, they just, they can't even do simple things without like a major part of their body breaking, you know? So um, we just love to maybe start off hearing from your perspective as to like, what are you seeing when you're training and when you're working with athletes? Well, in terms of the ACL epidemic, you're right. It, it has gotten worse across all ages, it, whether you're a youth athlete or you're a professional women's soccer player who has access exactly. to all these gadgets and gizmo, gizmos and technology and a sports science staff, and then a nutritionist, then a psychologist, like we would think that it's like resources that are causing the problem, but it's really like us not doing the basics. And I, there I've talked is, to, um, Dr. Yep. Uh, Tim Hewitt, who is like a pioneer in, in ACL yes. research. And I mean, yep. he's been around for a while. I think yep. he has something wild, like over 500 published papers uh, in males <laughs> and females. <laughs> um, so he, there's no like lack of research in the female population. He's studied it. And <laughs> even he says that um, if female soccer players did strength training year round, at least one to two times a week, they could reduce ACL by over 50%. And wow. at this point, I just tell people, look, like, <laughs> Nowadays, strength training should be your bare minimum. 
a yep. couple years ago and in like the the early 2000s people felt extra special oh i'm doing strength training but now it's like no this is like a non-negotiable bare minimum right so we definitely need the strength training piece for for female athletes but once they get that down, then they should not think, oh, this is the magical elixir to reducing ACL. Just because you get in the gym doesn't mean you are bulletproof 100% of the time from ACL injury. So we have to be really honest about that. So that brings us to other things like nutrition, which I'm really passionate about talking about because there's a lot of misinformation, um, yep. sleep quality, recovery, and load management is a huge part. And I was having a conversation with um, Donnie. He's the, the coach of um, University of Texas women's volleyball. They just won the national title yeah. last year. Yeah. And we were just talking the other day and he said, he couldn't have said it any better. He said, youth athletes nowadays, nowadays are playing a schedule that is meant for 18 to 24 year olds. Yeah. And I was like, that couldn't describe it any better because we have kids who are not as strong as they can be, um, not developing a broad range of athletic skills as much as they can be. And we're putting them in this year round environment that just catabolizes their muscles and there's no room for rebuilding and, and just becoming a well-rounded athlete. So I think load management is a huge part of the problem too, because I've seen some, some of the strongest girls still blow their knee. And I'm sure right. you guys have too. Right. We've always seen yep. those athletes where we're like, wow, like they can deadlift so much. They can pistol squat really well, but they still get that ACL tear and it's a load management problem. It's a nutrition and malnourishment problem. And it's a, it's an under recovered problem as well. What do you think then? So you, I think it was uh, the women's arsenal team, right? Don't they have, didn't they have three ACLs? Yes. So at a level like that, with professionals around them, right? Load management. I mean, they know the color of the urine, right? I mean, they know everything about these athletes. Why not one, not two, but three on one team? Well, I mean, how do you explain that? Yeah, that's a tricky one. And I think just because there's a sports scientist on staff, claiming that they're doing load management doesn't mean it's necessarily happening. And just think about, it. I mean, that professional soccer schedule, we're fighting against all these giant stakeholders and then uh, management and like yep. no one's actually changing the schedule. And I don't think they're the, increasing it. Yeah, exactly. And I don't think we're practicing true load management. I don't think enough sports scientists are being taken seriously or are respected at these clubs. And I have colleagues who work at the highest level. They're sports scientists. They're director of sport performance. And the amount of messages I get from them venting to me that they have no impact <laughs> is a problem. Mm. Um, wow. So it's like they're not even utilizing these people. Um, right. It's just, you know, management just doing their own thing or just trying to, you know, make money because we need to schedule as many games as possible. But I think people are like, oh, well, three Arsenal women tore their ACL. We just we need more resources for women. It's like, no, like we need people actually like doing their job and and helping women within the club because you have enough people on staff like you Clearly. have enough technology you have your nord boards and your gps unit like you have everything 
like we need to take a step back and think, okay, what's going on with this schedule? <laughs> do you think that, I mean, and this, this could go down a little bit of a rabbit hole, but do you think that if we increase the size of the roster, allowing like they're doing now, allowing more substitutions, which, which could, you know, maybe mitigate some of the injuries. Do you think like, even like, I think that they were talking about that at the NFL level, maybe even increasing the roster, maybe two or three players, but even for like a soccer team, do you think that because that they're increasing the amount of games that they're playing, well, we maybe then need to have a few more players as our, as our backup. Now, then the, I guess the other part of that is, do we water the, the sport down by bringing in, you know, but I think that it also, uh, you know, allows more players, you know, space to get onto a team. So, I mean, what, what, what is your take on that? Do you think that that would help the load management? It could. It, it would definitely change, like, how much playing time is going on with the starters. But, again, you would have to have a depth of a roster. And I think when push comes to shove, a lot of coaches will keep their starters in because they're like, wow, things are yeah. clicking. We we got to win. Right. And you would have to have, like, studs on the entire 30 to 35 woman yep. roster. So I think makes sense. It, it could work, but yeah, you would have to have like everyone be like really good, as good as the the starting lineup. Right. What What do you guys think about uh, just like just the language we use, like plastering on programs? Hey, we're doing this for ACL prevention. Like, do you think that's instilling more fear in our girls, or we should just kind of get them strong and not really talk about it? Like, yeah, I've I mean, first like, of all, I don't use. Yeah, I don't use the word prevention. I, I got rid of that a long time ago. I call it, you know, more of an injury reduction. But I try not to even use that because like like we've all heard, like good training is rehab or prehab training, right? Like a good sound program is what I think a lot of kids are missing. I mean, when, when you talk to some of these kids or these athletes, you know, them going to the gym is – running on the treadmill from, you know, a mile and a half or something at a steady state. And then they go and do abs and biceps and, 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 and dips. I mean, that that's not sports <laughs> performance. I mean, first off, you, your energy system that you use didn't even, you know, correlate to what you're doing. And now you're in the gym doing, you know, crunches and abs and like, so they don't even understand, you know, like what a, what a program should actually look like. So I think to answer your question, I think it, uh, you know, not even using that because it's bad enough that I think that we probably get accused a little bit of fear mongering when we try to tell the athletes that, you know what, honestly, at 10 months, you're a 15 year old female that's never touched the weight before at, at nine, 10, 11 months, you're still not ready to go back to your, your sport yet. Sorry. Mm -hmm. Sorry. The objective data is proving this. And, and that was what I needed because I was a strength coach as tier three, right? You have a surgeon and a PT clearing these kids to go back to play. And then they get to me and they can't stand on one foot for 10 seconds. You know, like who did the evaluation? It said that you can be cleared to go back, you know? So that to me, Mike. Yeah, that that's where Joe and I started sifting through this. Um, we next met each other before COVID. We started talking about, okay, why, why is the, why are the retailers happening? Why are they happening in the first place? And, I tell all the kids, I'm like, look, you know, your deficits are your deficits. So why don't we get to it before the ACL tears? The reality is, is when you hear high level, 
High level is not dribbling a ball and then a major ligament in your body tears. That's not high level. I mean, you know, your, your body's not resilient to a basic thing that you should be able to do as a kid. And I'm making my way through this large continuing aid course that's being hosted actually by, um, it's down in Florida, uh, in St. Nichols um, Children's Hospital. They oh, have yeah. A, yeah, they have a sports performance and they're hosting this series. And, you know, there's a lot of things in the course that, you know, I'm already well versed on, but there's some really cool things they're talking about on just the statistics. And even though kids are playing more sports now, they're weaker than they were in the 80s. You know, your average kid cannot execute a lunge, cannot do a squat, cannot do pull-ups. Um, just the basic foundation level of the kids is is less, even though genetically they're they're bigger. You know, the, the boys are just bigger at a younger age. The girls are going, you know, puberty's hitting earlier. They just don't have control of that body. And then they hit like it's like uh, called um, a peak height velocity, like the growth spurt. So their body starts shooting out all over the place. And, you know, it's like the girls will grow tall and then they have to kind of fill out into their frame where the guys kind of grow weirdly. One week, they're a little taller, one leg's a little bit shorter. And these coaches just continue to hammer them with just the sport, sport, sport. And there's nothing to kind of like, it's like a beanstalk growing and there's nothing to kind of direct the way it's going. It's just a constantly tugging them in all these different directions. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's what we were kind of looking at is that, the kids aren't doing foundational stuff. It's not like the nineties where, or eighties where we were outside playing and bike riding and playing manhunt and rollerblading and doing all this stuff. And we preach yep. multi-sport, multi-sport, but we don't provide the bandwidth for the multi-sport. So it's practice here. It's game, it's tournament practice the next morning. And I guess my question is, is like, how much do you practice until it's like overkill? Because I feel like the bucket is overflowing. Like how much can we possibly do ball work I mean, it's like bench pressing every day. Like there's only so much the muscle could take. There's only so much that skill right. could take. Like we got to do something else. So that's where I think where our uphill battle is, is that you have coaches that, and, and Joe used a good analogy. It's like, it started where you had some really good players and then somebody didn't make that team. So somebody's dad started B team. Somebody didn't make B team. So somebody's dad started C team. And then now we have all these clubs. And when I talk to the parents and the kids that are like involved in it, I'm like, what is the difference? And they say none. Like, why are you paying so much money? You got to pay for these cleats. You got to get all the special uniform with the names on the back, the bags, all this stuff. I don't understand like what the difference is. So there's all this competition together of just doing the same thing, but no club is, is taking a look at like what we do in human performance. And that's where we kind of started diving into a lot of the things like, the sensor technology, looking at movement quality, things like the whoop strap that are starting to analyze like what the strain that's actually on somebody's body, all this this stuff about nutrition and sleep, which I'm sure we'll get into, but all the things that allow you to perform and do the sport, nobody's dialing into that. It's just soccer, soccer, or field hockey, field hockey, basketball, basketball, but there's none of this other stuff that makes you an athlete. And I would never consider competing in a, in a competition without doing that foundational stuff you know it just to me it's common sense but for them they they don't understand that they think it's like it's punishment because i'm making them do like these sets of lunges and squats and i'm like you guys need to understand that this is how you get better as an athlete and this right. is how you're going to get faster and this is how you're going to basically perform well by being strong in these shapes and positions what if i told you erica um what if i said two-mile test what is your thought okay so i'll 
remind <laughs> me to come back to that one because yep. I, okay. I do want yep. to I want to stay on the topic of youth and specialization because I am so passionate about this and every year I'm in coaching and I'm sure you guys can say the same each year it gets worse each year yep. I have to fight a little bit harder to let people know that this is not the only way it's not the healthiest and most effective way and I even present all of the literature <laughs> and people still don't listen. But um, to your question, uh, Mike, specialization uh, is usually over eight months in the year in a single competitive sport. And okay. that's the exclusion of, of other sports. So for the parent that says, well, what if they, you know, play basketball with dad one hour a week. I'm like, well, that's not enough of a buffer that one hour of basketball compared to that six to eight hours right. of soccer. That's not enough. And if you think back, if you think back to our childhoods, I mean, we were out there for my goodness. I'm going to say like six, eight hours a day, like until yep. the sun went down and our parents yep. were yelling at us to, to come inside. And now it's like, okay, Johnny, like come outside in the backyard. We'll do a little, like an hour <laughs> of play, which is better than nothing. That's great. As long as the kids are having fun, that's awesome. But that's not enough against the beast. That is the amount of hours year round in a single sport. And yeah. the literature supports this. It supports uh, how overuse injuries increase if sports over eight months out of the year, um, leaving sport by age 12 or 13 because it's become too much of an obligation for the kid and it's no longer fun anymore. And it's just, it's just crazy when you present people with the research. And I'll tell you guys a story. So I am starting to see more and more like that 10 to 12 year old girl range with injuries that 80 year old women yep. are having, um, you know, I've, I've heard like a, a quad pull, um, a hip tear, <laughs> yes. and yes. I've never seen this before until recent years in a and 10 year old, right? I mean, in like, a 10 -year -old. What? and, and again, I look at their schedule, they play club in the fall. They, uh, practice with their club team in the winter and still do tournaments. Then spring is go time. <laughs> so another soccer season, then summer they're playing in a 3d three league. So mm -hmm. <laughs> even if we're doing some play and some other sports within that, it's still not enough to balance out those hours. So, right. and yeah, I just keep seeing a lot of injuries happen that shouldn't be happening at those ages. And I, I try my best to speak my piece and, some parents are totally on board and they get it and they understand the the evidence-based and practice-based research, but some parents are like, screw it. We think that travel ball for our eight-year-old, the number one team in the state where we're going to tournaments all the time, we think yep. that's the best path for them. And they're picking the yep. path for the child because that's what they think is going to get them ahead of their neighbor next door when actually it's the opposite. Yeah. Wow. So it seems like it's 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 almost like and i even have parents that have their kids involved in sports that say this it's like it's like a money drive it's it's this scare tactic of if your kid is not involved then they're not going to get playing time or they're not going to get seen so it, it scares them well i better sign up for winter league then because then i'll be able to get playing time in spring league so they the coaches scare them to draw them into being in the sport all the time to get roster spots on their club look at my club it's packed there's like a waiting list like I'm looking good, prestigious, you know, 
and it's just driving them in to constantly be surrounded. So they don't give them any breathing room to go and do the other things. Or if you have a kid that says, look, I really love soccer. I love this sport. I love it. Like I want to do it. And we're having a hard time getting like coaches on the sand. Okay. Like three hours of the same stuff that you just did on Monday. Like how much can we possibly kick the ball? Why don't we dial that back down to maybe an hour of whatever field work you want to do. Then we're going to split up like certain lifting sessions or certain things like this or running mechanics or just some of these other things. Like there's none of that involved. Like, again, it's, it's just like doing the same thing over again. It's like bench pressing seven days out of the week and then doing a max day one of those days every week for months on right. end. Right. Well, like you said, Mike, before that, you know, like strength training should be at like, like there should be a strength training season. Right. But more importantly, like, there then needs to be a maintenance thing of like, what are we doing during the season? Right. But also, like you said, we're filling the buckets. So what are you doing, Erica, with, with the athletes that are in season for eight months or more? And um, they're doing strength training on the field and there's no weights by the way, but they're doing strength training on the field. And then they come to see you. What, what bucket are you trying to fill with them? How, how do you, how do you handle that? I'm just trying to fill what they're not getting within those practices and games. So in-season strength is a big one just to maintain everything we work so hard for in the off-season. So we're doing very quick lifts. We're probably going no longer than like 30 minutes, including like the warm-up and the mobility exercises. We're just hitting each muscle group and then moving on with our lives <laughs> and yep. um, just, yeah, really making sure after those lifts, they should never be sore. They can do them before practice. They can do them after practice. I just, I wouldn't really do them like for a game or a day of a game um, just to kind of give them that day off beforehand. But yeah, usually like Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday are some good days to do all that. And then I also like to do in season speed uh, at least once a week. And we're really just trying to keep them explosive and do a lot of like hops and bounds, um, just like low rep, but high intensity, long rest, and then still giving them those 30 yard, 40 yard top end speed sprints, but we're only doing mm -hmm. just a couple of them. So again, after those workouts, they're never feeling sore at all. And it's so crazy. And, you know, I just love seeing this for athletes who still train in season, their parents will say, <laughs> man, they're out running everyone right now. Yep. And I'm like, it's simple. It they're continuing to get that speed and explosive yep. stimulus yep. that no other girls are making the time to do in season. A lot of girls yep. in season will wither away. And the first thing that's going to go is your, your twitchiness. And then the yep. second thing that's going to go is your strength. So, you know, I, I tell them, look, I'm not surprised they're killing it. It's awesome. Like just keep setting the example and, and hopefully people follow. Well, kudos to you for, for convincing them that it doesn't need to be a 90-minute session. It yeah. doesn't mean we don't have to include conditioning. I don't need to see you sweat in the workout to prove that you had a hard workout. Like, you're coming in here, you're, you're filling a bucket. That bucket may mean that we're only doing 30 minutes, and then bye-bye, you're out of here, you know? like. But to be able to do that and then, then see that transition to the field – then just reifies like what you're doing with them, reinforces what you're doing with them, you know? So, yeah, I will, I will say with the in-season stuff. So yeah, I try to educate people as much as possible. 
I have a great core group that does it the whole year, but of course there's going to be people who are just like, we're too busy. We can't do it. And I'm done trying to like really push these people. (laughs) Um, and especially like the girls who are on like their school team and club team, I'll tell parents, look, I don't like that. They're on two teams in the single season. Like here's what could happen. Don't be surprised if a, a nagging overuse injury occurs. Like I would prefer they come to me at least once, once or twice a week and get rid of one of those teams. And yeah, they, they usually just go on their own way or they ask, well, can they be on those two teams and come to you once a week? And I'm like, well, you know, they might not get that much out of what I'm doing at that point because they're right. going to be so tired and their muscles are going to be so broken down. It's like, are they really getting a lot out of that one session a week with me? I'd right. only recommend it for a girl who's like kind of like new to lifting and just wants to use that time of once a week to like learn the movements. But mm. for anyone who's like, well, we really want to improve speed and strength during this time while we're on two teams, I'm like, not going to happen. Like gotcha. you're not going to yep. get anything yep. out of one session. Nope. Like, yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> Nope. Nope. Yeah. One time a week doesn't cut it. You got to make the dedication. So give up the team, get into the weight room, you know, yeah. give up one team, get in the weight room. I mean, you, it's just, unless you don't want the improvements, but like, you can't sit there, ask me for the advice. I give you the advice and then you go and do what you want. And that's, you know, Mike and I feel the same frustration that you have is that we have these conversations. The parent looks you in the face, they nod their head. And then, you know, next week they're like, well, where were you? Oh, you know, well, we took her to practice. She had, you know, both. The, and you're like, okay, well, yeah. that, that hour conversation that I just had, you know, like that went out the window. So, yeah. And I it's mean, okay. We, you know, you can't, you can't yeah. convince everyone, but you know, exactly. the athletes who do stick around, they get results. The parents are happy. They're happy. I'm happy. And it, it is what it is. And if that's only like three or four people, then Cool. And so be it. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, then that's, and that's what makes up that elite and that high level. I mean, you look at the percent that makes that high level and they're the ones that are dedicated to the right things. The one that are almost kind of drinking the juice and getting caught in all this are the ones that don't make it out. It's almost like survival. It's like who could just climb to the top of like a mass amount of people trying to climb the same pillar, you know, um, the one with the best strategies will kind of get there. But I am finding that I'm having more parents that are kind of coming in and saying like, we have a lot that do have to pay out of pocket for certain things. You know, some of these insurance companies won't even cover this. They're like, Oh, you know, she can get off the toilet. She's good. You know? So, I mean, they don't value like this performance end for, for, you know, these kids. And so they have to pay out of pocket, but the parents are saying, look, like this is for him or this is for her. They don't want to do it. I'm not bringing them anymore. And sometimes they're mm-hmm. tired of, of fighting with them. So, you know, this is going to kind of be a two part question for you is, you know, how do you deal with strategies of working with maybe, you know, some of them, are not motivated. You know, I've had parents ask me, you know, uh, what can we do? Because I give them stuff to do. They're not going to do it at home. They're not motivated. And I get it. Like at the same time there, we're dealing with a 12, 13 year old, and this is all new. Now I'm t- taking them from their sport. They're coming back from an injury and I'm telling them they have to do all these movements and all these things that are just, they're not fun, you know, and no one ever says ever exposed that to them, but I can't wait up and put load on a lunge or a squat when there's no spine control, there's, there's no hip and pelvis control. So we work on just like cleaning up the movement first and then show me you could do it with body weight and then let's do it with BFR on high volume. And let me see how your form takes with a lot of volume and fatigue. And if you go right through it, then we'll increase, you know, with rep sets, weight or whatever. And then all that, like I can't progress running if we don't even have foundational things here, because then we're just reinforcing, you know, the poor mechanics. And that's what we see. These coaches have them run, run, run. And all they're doing is just survival mode harder harder until something breaks 
where if we dial it back and we train those mechanics and then we go from there, it's how we, you know, we train running, but you know, you know, how do you deal with an athletes that come in and like, they're not motivated to do it or, you know, they're going to complain. I don't want to be here. I don't want to do this. Like, what are you doing to, you know, deal with that? And then even just some of, you know, these younger, like a 10 to 12 year old, how do you, what do you do when you come to training with them? I explain to my athletes the process they need to go through. So I always say like, you have to be able to graduate onto the next step. So just like fifth grade, you got to get through and then go on to sixth grade. Like you have to do a certain level of math to progress to the next level. So like my girls know that like things as boring as like a skips and high knees for my older girls, where we're constantly going over sprint mechanics they understand, okay, like I need to refine this skill and practice it as much as a soccer ball. Like speed is as advanced of a skill as like doing like a scissors move or having a good first touch. So I try to like relate it to soccer for them. And I tell them, look, like the cool stuff you see on Instagram, we're going to do like every now and then the majority of our training is actually like the boring stuff no one sees yeah. on the internet. And yeah. I always relate it to real life. I mean, if you think about your life, most of the time, life is pretty mundane. It's very rare you're out there doing margaritas on the beach or flying to Tulum. Um, I just had my wedding, which was one day. It was an absolute fairy tale. It was magical. But that awesome. was one day out of my entire life. That happens from time to time. That happens my, my, every so often. Those like magical experiences, like your wedding or traveling somewhere exotic. Yep. And it's like, you have to find a way to be excited about the boring, mundane things in life. Otherwise, you are not going to make it. You're not going to make it in your sport. You are going to fail at your relationship or marriage. You are going to fail at your career or if you go to medical school or academics, like you have to put in the work. And I'm just really honest with athletes. Like life is not like this like grandiose thing. It's 95% of the time boring as heck. Yeah. But Instagram, Instagram is telling these kids otherwise. Yep. I mean, yes. especially for yes. female athletes, you see influencers. Yes flying the world, like sipping champagne in Italy on the beach, posing, like living their best life. And I'm like, guys, this is not real life. And most yeah. of them went viral for posting a half naked picture. Yeah. So do you really want to live that life? Like, sorry, I said yeah. it on air, but it's true. This is absolutely, they fall, absolutely. They, fall yep. they fall prey to all that nonsense. Yes. A lot of girls get very sucked into the internet nonsense, whether it's training or like mm -hmm. lifestyle or even like health and nutrition nonsense. And this is the direction we're going in society. We want every day to be that wedding. I mean, they do it with the mm -hmm. NFL. We got football now, Monday, Thursday, you know, Saturday, Sunday, like it's just nonstop entertainment all the time. Games, yeah. games, games, games. And you're right. It, there, There is no time to build that foundation. We're constantly trying to build, you know, this this beautiful house on our foundation that's not settled and it keeps breaking and we keep patching it here, patching it there. So you're right. And that's what I think they they drive after. It seems like every day they want the boom, boom. So they come in and like, what are we doing today? When are we going to do ball work? When are we going to do this? I'm like, you're not touching the ball until you could do a lateral shuffle without your hips being all over the place. <laughs> like, you know, and I just know that you're trying to protect them because you know that it, it's hard. It's a long process when they're dealing with an injury, especially like an ACL. 
You don't want that re-tear. And Joe and I say it all the time, just like one more month of refining skills can really prevent you from just because it's like a split second that ACL yep. goes again. And there you go. Now we're in this boat again. Is it, is it really worth it? You know? Are you guys finding a lot of girls being rushed back in rehab nowadays? Well, I, I would say yes to that. But because now with Mike and, and us really understanding this and having the objective data, I think that we're getting a hold of some of them to buy into it. But I would say for the most part, Mike, let me know if you agree. I'd say by the, the nine month mark, these kids are chomping at the bit. They're breaking their parents, you know, stones about getting back. And, you know, yeah, and then the what? parents get the, you know, the, the pressure from the kid that they want to play now. And so I'd say by the nine month mark, you better have the reins on really tight because you're yeah. going to have, yeah. that's where the ride begins. And, and, you know, when we bring on other specialists like surgeons, you know, and they talk about stuff about how the sensory fibers of the ACL graft don't even fully mature and adhere into the bone to about a year mark that that proprioception is off and they've tested athletes where they have them just standing and they've done this with even um, Kyler Murray. You know, uh, we had a surgeon on talking about that. His quads are massive, but still the one was a little smaller than the other. And they've done just having them stand on force plates and they will still naturally not put weight just subconsciously on the involved side. So there's a lot of, you know, neurocognitive things that we do. We have a really cool piece of equipment called the quick board that we use to train some of that. So there are advancements and things to try to, you know, retrain these, these skills because we're noticing a lot of deficits. But, um, you know, what we're noticing is that on, on two perspectives that with some of the PT, a lot of the, there's a lot of places that they're not even doing the right things from, from week one. So kids <laughs> are not progressing and doing the right stuff. It's very outdated. You know, this is a specialty area and you see there's a lot that goes into it or even just any of the injuries that go on, you know, anything, just you know, back pain, ankle sprains, there is unfortunately a lot of outdated rehab. So when they come out, oh, excuse me, they basically don't have the right, basically don't have the right foundation. And there's, and the parents come in, they'll say someone like Joe, we just spent eight months in PT. What do you mean? We, we can't do this sports performance stuff now, but <laughs> what we're trying to do in our company is building out a little bit of a hybrid thing. And this is something that Joe and I came up with too, is a PT and strength coach hybrid, where if I'm working on these things, why can't they work together with a strength coach and work upper body? Or when we get to that point, I'm still working on some fine tuning things with this, but they could maybe fine tune some of their, you know, running mechanics or do some of these like cardio sessions, rowing, you know, assault bike, other stuff like that. Like the movements that they have the boxes checked off that they've graduated those stepping stones and the things are not good with, okay, maybe like their squats, not great still. Well, then we're not doing any back squats or front squats yet, but we were really good with like hip hinging or, lunge patterns okay you could work out with the strength coach pt still cleans this up now we have this hybrid so there's things that they're working on and there's certain skills that maybe they could do or things they could do with the you know sports specific with the trainer like you could do these ball drills and these passing drills but this type of stuff you're just not ready yet so that's where we understand the lanes you know um i don't know do you any, do anything like that erica with where you're at um so that's really interesting, like about the the year mark, how they're still not physiologically ready. Um, I so I, have you guys heard of Carmen Bot? She's on. She's mainly on Twitter. Um, okay. But she yeah, she talks a lot about ACL rehab, and we we've had some conversations as well. But I just like the idea of adding in that strength coach to make sure that they are working on being ready to sprint again, since 
the injuries tend to happen at the high velocity movements. And the, the one biggest thing in rehab that I've heard girls say they weren't prepared for was that sprinting. And then the, (laughs) the level of conditioning that was happening in their game. So those, all those running demands and sometimes it's not a PT's fault because the insurance runs out and then parents are like, okay, well, like the surgeon cleared us to play, but like we haven't really run yet. So we'll just kind of like, you know, jog a lap around the track week one Mm -hmm. and then maybe go three laps the other way. I'm like, that's not how you trained a condition to step on the field again. And a lot of people are winging that return to play conditioning and speed. And I wonder if that's why a lot of the re tears are occurring as well. Have you, I I would say, I don't even want to cut you off because I'm, I'm listening to you say it. And I'm like, I'm like trying to answer it because that is the exact thing that Mike and I, and that was where I think that, that I started to get a lot of these kids coming because they saw that I was putting a ball at their foot and I saw, but they were coming in thinking that that was the first thing they were getting to do. And I'm like, you're not ready for what they're doing yet, but this is what you need before you go back to practice. Right. I saw one of the the surgeons, right. at like a return to participation, return to play, like what it should look like. Okay. And what I've said was like, that's great. But like, you know, like when you go to your, your surgeon for your final visit, you, you sit on a table and we've had surgeons literally tell us this. So I'm not making this up. Like they check the integrity. Maybe you stand up, maybe you hop on it once. You didn't hop on it after being taken through a fitness test that we take you through and hitting you with a ball and putting you on the quick board and having you, you know, do lunges. And like we put you through a rigorous fitness test. Yeah. And then these are what your sessions look like. So these are your practices before you actually get to practice, because we want that to be easy. Just like when you practice, we want you to practice hard so that the game is easy. Right. So, and I, I agree with you 1000% that that's probably 90% of why these kids are retearing it is because, you know, Mike, his ego is checked at the door. Mine is checked at the door. We understand our lanes. A lot of PTs want to continue to do more of this because, mm-hmm. hey, maybe they don't have confidence in a strength coach in their area. So they're like, all right, well, we'll just we'll keep them. Okay, fine. But you're not really skilled to do that. Your 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 skill really comes in with, you know, right after surgery. And I'm and I'm not, you know, disrespecting anyone that has a CSCS. That's fine. You may have that, but but how often are you actually using that if you're a PT, right? Like we're using it as strength coaches. We use it daily. We use it every day. We program design every single day. Physical therapists don't necessarily do that. And I think that that is where, like when we put these kids through some of the stuff that I put them through, this harder than some of the practices that they've even been through. And these kids are like, looking at me like, you know, like they're pale and they're like laying on on the turf. And I'm like, that's a training session. Yeah. Well, it has now, to again, be that's harder. not a training session at six months. That's a training session as we're in that return to play phase. Right. Yeah. Yep. I like that. Yeah. I, yeah. I'm just finding a lot of rehab programs aren't giving a hard enough stimulus yeah. in that final yep. phase. Yep. So then yeah. a, a kid's like shocked when they play their first game again and the knee goes out in that first sprint and then yes. quick cut. And they're like, Whoa, I, 
I didn't do enough reps of this before this occurred. Yes. So yeah, mm -hmm. it's, it's definitely that lack of high velocity movements because insurance runs out or, you know, some PTs are old school, unlike yep. you guys, and they just don't know how to program the conditioning and the speed. So, yep. and that's what I explained, you know, when I have them do a 30, 30, 30 BFR split squats and they're like, my legs are shaking. I'm like, well, what do you think is going to happen when you're going through a tournament? Like, you yeah. have to create that resiliency. Like, right. and, and yeah, and but they've never been exposed to this before, so they don't get it, and they think it's punishment. I have kids that I hate the quick board. I'm like, you don't like it because it shows you where you're not as good as you thought you were. And I'm like, right. the quick board is making you focus on multiple things and move your feet. That's what soccer is. That's what field hockey is. What basketball is. Like, you do it all the time, but now you're being challenged out of something you don't like, but that's how you get better. And if you really – high level or you really want to go back to the sport and play at this level you were saying you were, then if you're the strongest, the fastest guy in the room, you're in the wrong room. So you have to be challenged. Like that's why yep. pro athletes seek each other out on off seasons and they train with each other because they get exposed and that's how they get better. Mm -hmm. But they just don't have that. And, and you're right. There's a lot of PTs that they're not doing that. And then when you get to, they don't have, well, they don't have the facilities built out because the things are changing now, but in order for facilities to have this type of stuff, you know, most of them don't. They're just old, stale, or dingy. And I'm like, that's not a sports performance facility. Yeah. You know, our company, yep. thankfully, is, you know, is recognizing that. And we're trying to build more of that because we see the need for this. But, you know, uh, yeah, I mean, Joe and I got this idea to kind of spark, you know, almost like these high-intensity interval training stuff of, like, where it kind of stemmed off of almost like CrossFit, Spartan Race, DecaFit, High Rocks, where it's time under tension. Nothing has to do with your sport, but you're you're training the muscle groups and, and the cardiovascular type taxing that you would to simulate what you'd be in your sport and then we could do sport specific after so i might put somebody through like uh you know five rounds of just simple movements of, of cardio strengthening and then after that we're going to work some jumping lands i'm going to hit you with the ball and i want to see what that leg looks like when you land on it because that's going to happen at the end of a tournament when you go to cut and pivot and you're tired yeah you know what happens there you know so um but I was going to segue into this because I really want to talk about the nutrition because this is the other piece. We're talking about mm. exercise and all this stuff, but there's this other big piece that none of that matters without the nutrition. So, Erica, can you please talk about the nutrition? I'm pumped about this. <laughs> Where do I begin with this one? <laughs> so Water. Be, prepa be prepared to unlearn a lot of what you've learned. Yeah, yeah. It's, it. well, it's great because we've had a couple different nutritionists on. So I'd love hearing... You know, let's see if things are aligned or see if things are completely different. So, yes, let's hear it. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I'm very particular with the RDs that I follow nowadays because um, when it comes to a girl's hormonal and just overall health, we do need to put that first. And when we actually do put that first, her performance thrives physically and mentally. So I really like um, Cynthia Monteleone. She's also a world record breaking track athlete. She's almost 50 years old. She look, basically looks 30. She's wow. amazing. And she practices what she preaches. Um, she's also a metabolic practitioner and nutritionist and a mom to girls. So she, she does it all. I also really wow. like Michelle Hearn. She's a registered dietitian um, who's an ultra marathon runner. So those are like the few that I, I really like. And um, personally for me, like I look back on my playing career and in high school, my nutrition was terrible. Like <laughs> I was getting away with like so much like ultra processed food, super like 
high sugar. I, I was very protein deficient. I was very omega-3 fatty acid deficient. Um, I definitely wasn't hydrating enough. And sure, I got away with it, but I was a naturally good athlete. So I could for a while. And um, I can't help but look back on that time. Like how much better could I have felt uh, mentally and emotionally because I wasn't feeling that great, but physically I was performing awesome. And then at Johns Hopkins, I started to take my nutrition a little bit seriously since the competition was getting a lot harder. And my, it was my junior year. I realized, whoa, I like drank way too much alcohol my first few years. Like <laughs> this really like made me super like inflamed and like retaining a lot. And like, I just wasn't feeling good. Like I felt like sluggish and like tired. My sleep wasn't good. My focus in academics wasn't great. It like affected everything. So I cut back on that. Um, I also cut back on a lot of like high sugar, ultra processed foods. So I started to do like more whole foods, like um, chicken, turkey sandwiches, uh, potatoes. So it definitely got a lot better. But then in my late 20s, I started to realize like I was having some severe hormonal issues and I was having like very like painful periods. Uh, PMS was really bad. Like mood swings were terrible. Sleep wasn't great. And I was experiencing this for a while as a kid and, and an adolescent, but I didn't like realize it. I just like was kind mm. of like ignoring it. But in my late 20s, I had nothing else to think about but my health because I was a retired soccer player. So I started to look at be becoming more um, animal uh, and meat based and really upping that. Um, I was very protein deficient, which was probably why my mood was so bad and my periods were so painful. Um, my, my muscles were always sore and I just didn't feel like strong. So I had to like really up that. And then another thing that I increased that was like the game changer for everything was upping my fats. And this one I'm so bitter about because I feel <laughs> females have been lied to about fats their whole lives yeah. back then. Like we were having like skim milk and low fat cheese and reduced yeah. fat, this and reduced fat, that. And like, I did that for many, many years, but it's no wonder my mental health wasn't great because fats are needed for brain function because the, mm -hmm. the brain is made up of over 60% fat. So you definitely need to nourish it with those fatty acids like DHA and EPA and even saturated fat as well. Um, if people still think saturated fat is bad, then they've definitely lived under a cave for 20 years. Um, you can look at the research online. Um, you can follow all the medical doctors that are talking about the benefits of saturated fat, but especially for mental health, as well as female hormones, we really need those fats. We also need cholesterol because our sex hormones like progesterone, progesterone and estrogen are both derived from cholesterol. Um, so mm -hmm. it's really important. We have like single ingredient fats like fish, uh, eggs, uh, fatty meats and red meat and butter and lamb and avocado and all the healthy oils like avocado, coconut oil, uh, olive oil. Like these are all so good for us women, but we've been told that fats aren't good for us and we need to eat low fat diets. And partly because a lot of girls think that fat makes them fat, but it, it really doesn't. <laughs> um, it's never like a single factor that makes you fat. There's like yeah. other things involved. I mean, we can talk about too high I sugar. I mean the diet Cokes and the, and the, and the, yeah. and the processed carbs, you know? Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, and, and, you know, I think, um, nowadays there is like this, like over glorification of the, the carbs. Um, I'm not saying you need to go ketosis, not at all. <laughs> um, but I think a lot of female athletes are having too many carbs at the expense of protein decreasing and fat decreasing. So they're prioritizing something because they think that's like what they need the most. And then they're severely protein and, and fat deficient. And for that reason, that's why they're suffering mental health issues. Uh, one in four girls have depression and anxiety, or wow. um, I think it's like over 40% of female athletes say that they have a some sort of menstrual cycle disorder. So whether that's irregular periods or cysts on their ovaries, polycystic ovarian syndrome, uh, endometriosis, or they've had a missed period for years and they don't know why, because they think that they're being healthy. And I, I, I'm sure you guys have heard this too. Girls will say, well, I'm eating so healthy with my salads and my seeds and my twigs <laughs> and yeah. my, my juices, but no, you're not. You don't have enough yeah. protein. You don't you have enough protein. fat. And yep. it's no wonder you have a missed period. Um, so it's really important to up the proteins and fats and strategically work in the carbohydrates. That's why I really like Cynthia and Michelle Hearn because they, they time it right with the athletes that they work with, um, like later in the day when they have training. Um, so they're not constantly going through this like glucose roller coaster. Um, you know, I'm sure a lot of adolescent girls would have much more stable moods throughout the day. If we maybe cut back on some of that and they increase their protein and their fat because they're much more mood stabilizing. And I mean, our girls, like, I just want them to feel amazing. Um, because now it's like, I don't have uh, painful periods anymore. I have a very stable mood. I wake up every day with so much energy and I don't have 300 grams of carbs a day. Cynthia's athletes don't have that. And they're breaking world records, Michelle Hearns as well. And I think the the carb recommendations now are so astronomically high. We're wondering why girls are getting these menstrual cycle disorders and they're having these mental health issues. And if you really want to learn more, I highly recommend you listen to OBGYN Jamie Seaman, Dr. Jamie Seaman, also uh, Dr. Gabrielle Lyon. So a lot of this information is coming from female medical doctors who are discussing nutrition yeah. impact on hormones. And I wrote in my, my new book, Female Athlete High Performance, once girls have hormonal balance, that's when sports performance becomes unlocked. Mm. That's, that's I believe I so, just heard a uh, podcast with Gabrielle. Um, she was on Gary Brecker. Yeah. yeah. Talking about. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that's why I know do you have any other things on the nutrition that you want to ask. Yeah. Okay. Would you be able to maybe run through like an example of like what an athlete could do during the day? Because I know a lot of the talk about nutrition, but, you know, these kids don't really know like how to, how to eat like throughout the day or like what are good options. So do you have some examples of like what maybe some of your girls you'd recommend on like what to do and when to eat it? Or like I have PT right now, or I have like a session mm -hmm. training, like what should I eat? Like I got it in an hour, you know, and then what do I eat after, you know, maybe some examples there to help them guide. And then obviously, you know, people have their dietary you know, restrictions, they have allergies and stuff, but at least some examples to kind of give them a thought process. 
it's going to be different for everyone. So I can't give like one like example of mm -hmm. meals and amounts throughout the day, but um, Cynthia Monteleone um, recommends you, you absolutely have to eat breakfast. Like don't, don't skip breakfast because that sets you up for the day. It gives you energy to focus in school and then be good for after school practice. So girls definitely have to eat breakfast and make sure they're always eating enough. So not eating enough is also a reason why a lot of girls do miss their periods or have irregular periods. So eating breakfast, it has to be very, very uh, protein forward, um, and also fat forward as well. Um, Cynthia toys with like the carbohydrate content in that breakfast, which is why, like, I can't really talk about too much since she's not here, but, right. um, it's definitely like, as an example, if you're a girl who's eating like just one egg for breakfast, that's not enough protein. Uh, you okay. want to, so one egg is six grams of protein. You want to aim for definitely over 20 grams of protein. Uh, Cynthia right. and I like to recommend at least 30 grams of protein a meal because yeah. that way girls are really allowing their muscles to build and repair. So first and foremost, they're not going to have chronic muscle soreness. So their recovery is going to be great. And ex that's amazing, especially with all the demands they're playing year round. I mean, if you can get that right, you'll be able to withstand this year round nonsense way more. Um, so definitely protein forward, at least uh, 30 grams. And then making sure that you have some fats because fats can also be an energy source as well. So maybe adding like butter into your eggs or enjoying that bacon. I mean, how enjoyable is that like <laughs> to have right? that for breakfast? And it's also like, it's so like satisfying. Like you don't have to like have this terrible relationship with food where you're constantly like hungry and like thinking about your next snack or your next meal. Like if you have that really nutrient dense, like animal based protein, fat, and a little bit of carbs for breakfast, like you are going to be set through the day and you're not even going to be thinking about, it. you're just going to be going through your day, productive, feeling great. <laughs> and it's, it's just amazing. And I want that for, for all girls. And then lunch again, same thing about 30 grams of protein there. Um, and then dinner, dinner as well. And I know schedules are busy, but I really think like anyone can take time on a Sunday when, you know, you you're done your Sunday game, you're getting ready for the week. You can take at least an hour to meal prep for the week and set yourself up for success because that's what high performers do to get an edge. And if you really want to have vibrant health, you have to be disciplined and you have to be prepared. Um, so I always say like opt for these like single ingredient whole foods first. So single ingredient, like a salmon's a salmon, an egg is an egg. There's not much nonsense in it. So opt yep. for those first because they are the most filling and they're, they're the most nutrient dense. But of course, if you're at a tournament traveling, I don't want girls to like go into like the Wawa gas station and be like, oh my gosh, like that food has ingredients in it. Like we're not going to get that. And like, they don't eat like, that's mm -hmm. a problem. You yeah. still have to make smart choices when you're at a tournament or pack a cooler, yeah. bring your own stuff, bring your yep. own cooler. But if you find yourself not prepared because you just forgot and you're at the Wawa, they have great uh, protein forward sandwiches and wraps. So yeah. even though it's quote unquote processed, yeah. <laughs> you can still get your macros and enough calories. So you're yeah. not depleted. Yeah. So I don't want girls to totally be scared of food and has to be perfect all the time. You can make 
so many smart decisions on the road. I mean, Starbucks has amazing egg bites. I get four orders of those because two's not enough. <laughs> um, and even uh, Wendy's burgers are like, I think they're either grass fed, which is surprising, something like that. Buffalo Wild Wings cooks their wings in a uh, tallow. Oil. Or tallow, tallow, tallow yeah. yeah, tallow or like lard, which is a really vitamin D rich uh, fat uh, and vitamin A and E and K and all these great fat soluble vitamins. So even Buffalo Wild Wings, you can find good options. Or if you're at Outback Steakhouse with the team, get extra chicken on that pasta or mm -hmm. get that steak with that sweet potato. I mean, yeah. these are all yummy filling foods and it doesn't need to be this complicated lifestyle. Right. And it's not like we're eating this day in and day out. You're at a tournament. You need that right. fuel. Right. So get it, you know, process. Yep. It's not like we're eating process, you know, 365 days out of the year. We're doing it one time. You'll yep. be fine. It's just, you know. Right. Yeah. yeah. And, you know. But, but something is better than nothing. Yes. And that's. Yes. Yes. Gotta fuel and the tank somehow. And, and even with like the hydration, like a, a lot, I prefer element hydration because it has such a high sodium, magnesium and potassium content and it tastes good and I feel great on it. But mm. if I'm at, at a tournament and I forget to put my element packs in my soccer bag, I'm still going to buy the Gatorade, even though like I don't do well with the sugar, but like I need the electrolytes to get the hydration. Right. So I don't want yep. girls to like be scared and to like not get that hydration or nutrition if they forget to pack and prepare. Try to pack and prepare as best you can, but um, you know, fed is better than not fed. Yeah. What would you say to a female athlete who is just continuing to be stubborn about the nutrition? You know, they keep talking about wanting to get back, tournaments, they want to go to practice, all this other stuff. Every time you try to talk about the nutrition stuff and they're just so focused on the sport, what would you say to that athlete if they're just totally neglecting the nutrition? So I was stubborn when I was a teenage girl as well. <laughs> um, you know, I never wanted to eat my vegetables, which, you know, I look back and I'm like, oh, okay. I kind of was innately right about that one, but <laughs> um, I still hate vegetables, but yep. um, no, I was stubborn. And I think sometimes it takes time for girls. Um, I think coaches and parents can like continue to deliver that messaging of like what they should eat to perform and why it's beneficial. And it should be, a weekly, if not monthly conversation, just so that they get it in their head. And then eventually they'll come around. It might take a year, a few years. It might take until college, like myself and my late twenties, when I had like drastic health issues. I think sometimes girls or young women reach a rock bottom in their health or performance. And it leads them to going down the rabbit hole of, okay, what foods are causing a reaction in me? What am I really deficient in? And that's when people make a change. And it sucks that people make a change when something bad happens, but that's just the the reality of it. And it happened to me, but I'm I'm grateful it did because I'm 34 now and I, I feel way better than I did when I was an all-American athlete at Johns Hopkins <laughs> at age 21. Yeah, it's crazy. And everyone's like, you don't look 34. I'm like, oh, thank you. Like, I love that. <laughs> but it's it's so powerful. And food is medicine. And we'd be lying to girls if we told them, hey, like, have these processed snacks every day. You know, we, we'd be lying to them. And I, I think a lot of RDs are um, just trying to coddle people and please everyone. But I think we need to be hard on our girls because when we look at the statistics with the menstrual disorders and the mental health issues in kids, mm -hmm. we can't ignore that process and high sugar foods do play a role. 
yes, have them from time to time. You're not going to die if you have Christmas cookies or Halloween candy like yeah. once a year or you go to an ice cream outing with your team once a week. Like you're not going to die. Don't be fearful. But it's that chronic everyday consumption of these snacks mm. that sets these girls up for failure. And I mm. don't think enough people in our industry are being hard enough on girls and really putting health first. That's awesome message. Yeah. What about, um, how about female athletes in understanding your body and the way you're going to present yourself as an athlete is going to be different than some of these images like you might see on your Instagram, whatever, that there is a certain, you know, form you're going to have when you're, when you're competitive versus not. I mean, even the same thing, bodybuilders are going to look much different than, you know, a football player or a soccer player for that reason, but because there's performance versus, you know, just aesthetics. Can you touch on that? Well, that's another great thing about the nutrition lifestyle. I don't call it a diet, the lifestyle I talk about because you will not only always feel full and get the nutrients you need for your hormonal, mental, and physical health, but you will feel good in your body because a strong, athletic, lean, muscular body composition is a byproduct of that nutrition lifestyle. And I'll tell another story. So I got a DM from a girl who told me that she hasn't had her period in two years. And I asked her, I'm like, well, what are you eating? And she said, oh, well, mainly like salads and like lean chicken breast and low fat this and that. And I was like, that's the first problem. <laughs> like make sure you're eating enough first, but you girl, you need to really up your protein, up your calories and mm -hmm. all of it. And then she asked me, she's like, well, like, you know, you look so athletic and, and lean. And I'm like, yeah, I don't really like try. Like I work out maybe like four times a week for 15 minutes in and out. And, and she was like, what, how are you able to do that? <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, I don't kill myself. I don't overexercise. I walk my Husky um, for 30 minutes a day, like I chill. Um, but she was like, what are you eating? And I told her, I was like, well, I'm eating at least uh, two pounds of meat a day, red meat. And she was like, what? She was like, <laughs> wow. she was like, how are you not like huge and bulky? And I'm like, because like <laughs> that type of protein builds your muscle and just makes your body composition like robust. And she couldn't believe it. She couldn't believe it. And then another thing, this is kind of like off topic. She was like, now I understand why you don't get Botox because you have a ton of protein and collagen. I'm like, heck yeah. Bingo, yep. Wow, look so, at that. So if you have wow. that nutrition, it literally covers a broad range of like every body image health issue that a girl has, which is why I'm so passionate to talk that's about That's our it. hot take right there, Mike. That's that's yeah. going on. That'll be the Instagram. That'll be the hot take. <laughs> but yeah. I, protein, I'm passionate. Protein, I, protein. I want this for every girl, you know, yep. because that's awesome. it, it benefits so many aspects of yep. your life. Yep. And it just makes me sad that girls are not getting the nutrients that they need and it doesn't need to be complicated it, misinformation it really just like the whole acl process you know and yeah. and it's a shame because like we just you know we had someone on last week and we talked you know there's so much information now and now it's it's you know it's not misinformation it's so much information and now you're trying to figure out like okay well 
are they lying? Or are they telling like, you know, like which one actually makes sense now? So, you know, as, as a, you know, a young teenager, yeah, you're on your phone all the time trying to, you know, and, and you can research things, but you know, it's, it's how did we get that information to them? So what is, what are some ways that, I mean, do you like hold workshops? Do you, do you do webinars for parents? Like, how are you actually getting to the, to the source, right? They're, they're the ones that are paying for the training. They're the ones that are paying for the, you know, the, the soccer teams and things like that. So they're the ones we need to talk to. How are you talking to them? Well, I have, I have my podcast and I, I know a lot of parents really like listening to podcasts nowadays because they're like in the car or out walking or they're like busy cleaning the house. So I really like to stay consistent with the podcast and Mm-hmm. have these people on like these female RDs and medical doctors who are talking about these things and debunking all these lies women have been told for all these years. So I'm trying to have like really interesting people on and really educational people and just getting that out there as much as I can. Um, I personally do a lot of like presentations, uh, whether that's in person or on Zoom. Um, recently, I just gave a presentation at the strength and conditioning uh, convention last month. And there were a lot of female coaches in the audience who were, and it was on the menstrual cycle and nutrition. A lot mm-hmm. of female coaches in the audience were shocked of what I said. And again, at the end, um, they came up and kind of confided in me. And one girl said, Hey, I have PCOS. Hey, I haven't had a period in two years hey, my health is like this. And I'm like, try this stuff out and just watch your health thrive. And they're just like, wow, thank you so much. Because like, I have never heard any of this before. And I thought I was being healthy, but clearly my health is suffering and my menstrual cycle. That's incredible. Which by the way, that was perfect because I was literally trying to figure out how am I segueing it? Because we're using up a lot of valuable time here. So I know that I want to, I want to get, you know, this in and that kind of leads us into that segue of the menstrual cycle mm-hmm. and the ACL injuries. And, uh, I'd say the original time that we were trying to get you on maybe six, eight months uh, back in September, I had done a poll on the parents of the ACL page. Cause I was curious. It wasn't about me saying one way or the other, Hey, I'm a male, right? So I'm just trying to gather information and try to figure this out because, as these kids are coming in to see me now, part of the health history that I'm asking them, you know, and I make sure that their parents are there because it can be a little, you know, um, a, a touchy of a subject, especially as a male asking a female, you know, but I did a poll on the ACL page and asked, were they on, was it, were the, the females that injured their ACL or tore their ACL, were they on their period or or were they on some, you know, part of that cycle when that was happening? So I was going down this deep dive where like this was, you know, this was going to be this was it. Like this is probably one of the bigger reasons. And I come to find out that as I did the poll, it actually was skewing the other way. And then I started to do research because I wanted to ask you these things. And I went down this deep dive and, and went into some of these articles. And I was like, oh my God, it has it really has nothing to do with it. It's about how do we manage that mm-hmm. cycle and what are we doing during that cycle? Maybe we're up in our proteins a little bit more, or maybe we're, you know, maybe we're increasing our sleep. So let's kind of like dive into like understanding a little bit more and kind of debunk, you know, 
help us debunk the menstrual cycle and ACL injuries? Well, like you said, it is a rabbit hole, right? And it can become more confusing than it is helpful. <laughs> and I, you know, there, there's so much conflicting research and there's studies that say that the, the luteal phase or the menstrual phase cause injury because there's fatigue or the sleep quality is not as good. And okay. Yeah. Like being fatigued and being sleep deprived can absolutely like cause an ACL injury. There's studies on that. Um, but it still was really confusing, like which phase it was because a, a few other studies said that it was the, the ovulatory phase, which is the opposite where girls have the most energy and the most testosterone, but mm. they are running at higher speeds. They're having like higher muscular output. So that can make sense too, because that's where injuries happen during those high velocity movements. So there's really no universal phase where, where girls are at a higher risk for ACL. Um, but you know, even if there were, even if we could say, okay, every single female athlete is at a high risk of ACL during her period, during the menstrual phase, what would we do? <laughs> like, would we, would we not feel canceling team? games left and right? <laughs> yeah. Like what, what would we do? And like, would we like tiptoe around it? Would we like cut back on things? So I think it's just more empowering to tell girls, okay, like you should feel be feeling pretty good throughout all phases. Mm. A lot of girls think that the luteal phase is terrible and PMS is like a normal thing, but you don't have to feel that. Um, I'm proof of that. Uh, Cynthia is as well. Many other women have gotten rid of PMS symptoms altogether through nutrition alone. Um, so I always tell girls, look, like focus on the basics. Uh, your nutrition first and foremost, and just really making sure that you're having those omega-3 fatty acids since they are anti-inflammatory and inflammation can be high during the luteal phase and the menstrual phase. So you want to make sure that you, you balance that out, get your, your fish, your omega-3s. But, you know, I would argue like have your fatty acids in your follicular phase, like have your mm. omega-3 supplement every day for your brain. <laughs> so I, I don't really like this whole idea of like periodizing period nutrition because female athletes should just be getting nutrients daily year round. It, it, it shouldn't matter what phase you're in. You should still Very have similar to like the whole ACL. Like we're not doing ACL prevention. We're just doing yep. good programming. So if yeah. you are just good nutrition, it shouldn't be, well, oh, well, I'm at this part of my cycle. I need to be doing this now. I'll be just honest. do it all the time. Uh, I'll be honest with you. I have no clue what phase I'm in. Right. And I, I feel right. the same. I feel, I feel right. the same as I did two weeks ago when I was in a different phase, <laughs> high yeah. energy, sleeping great, no bloating, no indigestion, skin is clear. Um, yeah. Like I just, I don't really know what phase I'm in until obviously the menstrual phase, but it's just pretty steady. And I think girls are under the impression that those 28 to 35 days are this like volatile, like roller coaster, mm. like it's crazy, <laughs> but it doesn't have to be. And yeah, I mean, you can really take care of yourself and make some strides with, with good nutrition and if girls are fueling properly, that's going to reduce risk of ACL because they have the energy availability, their muscles are recovering better. 
Um, if they're sleeping well, that they're focused and they're motivated for their games. So yeah, I think we just need to focus on the basics. Sometimes I feel like I'm just selling common sense to people, but um, <laughs> you know, everyone in our industry wants to complicate things and too much yeah. science can really be bad science. And yep. I, that was the first thing I said when I got on stage at the coaches convention, I was like too much science is bad science. And if you guys think I'm here presenting on this revolutionary period tracking app that I just came out with, you're wrong. Get out of the room because I'm just going to talk about simplicity today. And everyone was wow. like, what is going to happen? I'm, I'm quite mad that I, cause I'm in Tampa that I didn't get over to Orlando to to see the yeah. presentation because I would love to just see everyone's jaw drop. Like, like what? Like, yeah, not it, all science. It was, like the too much it, science is too much. Yeah, it is. You know, like you just, yeah. you just convolute everything. Like just, let's get back to the basics. Like you said from the very beginning of this and, and what we, what, what the common theme is now with everyone that we speak to, like it's nutrition and sleep. Like strength training is very important. But if you're not doing the other two uh -huh. things that are that are that foundation, that true foundation, and it's your nutrition and your sleep, then the training falls apart anyway. And so you're doing it, and you're thinking that you're making yourself better, but you're you're breaking your body down because sleep helps you with the recovery, and yeah. so does the nutrition. Do you use any um like wearables, Erica? I mean, I've been using the the Whoop Strap for years, and I'm thoroughly impressed by their podcast i think gabrielle lyons has actually been on theirs before they bring on some really smart people and it's all confirming all the stuff we're talking about uh even a lot of diseases and things that are going on with our society it's a, we're losing track of the basics sleep nutrition these are just small biohacks to optimize our health and like people are walking around just like literally slowly dying well i'm actually saying dying faster i mean people are falling apart by the time they're 40 that's just not doing the simple things. Mm -hmm. So I don't use any like sleep tracking devices. I, I found uh, with myself and a few of my friends and athletes that the device makes them anxious to get a good night's sleep. So they have trouble yeah. falling asleep. So I'm not completely sold on that right now. Um, if you're someone who can just knock out and fall asleep, then use it, go for it. Um, but most people, it is hard for them to fall asleep. Um, but uh, I think just coming back to the nutrition, if you get that right, then your hormones will be in balance, which means your sleep will be a lot more restful. So it's, it's key to get that piece down. And a lot of this stuff that we're talking about, it is simple, but for female athletes, especially it is very empowering, especially around the menstrual cycle. I would rather tell a girl, Hey, there's a lot you can control to have a healthy menstrual cycle, a regular menstrual cycle, a less volatile menstrual cycle. And that is the most empowering thing you can say, as opposed to, oh, well, you're on your period, you're going to sit out of this drill or, oh, like you have like cramps, like, go oh, just go home. No, <laughs> I want to empower you. So you don't <laughs> deal with cramps. Um, right. So yeah, again, I think a lot of people in the audience at that presentation were were really like surprised because when we thought we were empowering female athletes with all this menstrual cycle periodization and talk, we actually were disempowering them mm -hmm. and causing them to be really reactive. And I want girls to become like super women, you know, <laughs> like yeah. confident, I, I, confident, I strong and confident. Exactly. You can take control of your, your performance and your overall health. And 
man, I mean, what a world that would be, you know, like, <laughs> it's just, it's crazy. Like what a lot of these girls are told. And, um, mm -hmm. even, even myself, like I was very disempowered with my menstrual cycle growing up because I thought that I had to deal with these pains as a woman. Like I would be angry and be like, oh my gosh, like men have it way easier. And I would throw my fist in the air and like mm. curse my own gender. But I also would say, oh, I am woman, hear me roar, but yeah. I'm complaining under the same breath that I'm Why a not? woman. So it didn't make any sense. And I was like, no, like I truly want to enjoy being a woman. Like I'm not going to complain anymore. I'm going to take charge of all this. That's awesome. That's, I mean, like we can literally sit here and go for three more hours. I, 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 <laughs> I, I just, I am so, I'm, I'm just still like, like a little kid. I'm so excited that we were able to even get this to happen. I love the fact that everything you've been saying, like Mike and I just like pound our head against the wall, like talking to these kids about it. But every time we bring on somebody that has power like you do, it just helps us reinforce what we're saying so that they know that we're not pulling these stats and these things out of the air you know, arbitrarily just because we want to punish you and we don't want you to go back to your sport and we need you to stay in, in rehab or in strength training. And, you know, like it's not about the money, right? Mike? I mean, we've said that before. It's, 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 uh, it's yeah, honestly, I mean, it's not about that. It's about, yeah. I'm a parent, you know, I have yeah. two kids myself. Like I'm, a, I, 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 I truly care about every single athlete that I work with, you know, yeah, and, I'm trying to get these I, athletes to move through, the rehab better because it makes me excited to see them progress it makes me excited to see them yep. hitting the weights and the reps and the sets and actually work out not spending another session learning how to freaking do a lunge again you know mm -hmm. but like there's these other things that limit that the sleep you didn't eat you know that maybe they are you know having a tough mental cycle because they're not balanced and then they come in and they're dragging oh, i'm tired i don't want to do this i don't want to do that and it's like your parents are paying good money for this the clock is ticking do you want to get back on the field like you know, I understand you're 16. You don't want to be spending your teenage years in a PT clinic. I don't blame you, but I'm trying to show you how to get your way out. And like, you're making it really hard. So like, that's why bringing you on, Eric, is another voice to get them understand, like, just do this. Like, you're, you're going to love it in the long run. You're going to look back in five years and be like, man, I'm glad I listened because look at where I am now, because we all are stubborn. I've right. been there. I had to fall hard and learn in my own competitive phases and stuff and then you just look like man if i would have just done this it's so simple but yeah you know, i mean just stop a, making it so hard for yourself like let's it's go. a lifestyle thing you gotta understand like like erica was saying before like this is something like she's now a retired soccer player but like so this this happens when you're done playing like you continue to do this yeah. and you're going to continue to have a real long life and especially if you're coming off of a surgery you really want to be eating this way because like we've talked about, there's a there's a whole generation that are going to be recognized by the scars on their knees, yeah. right? And yeah. guess what? We're going to probably have to reopen them in about 15 to 20 years and put a fake knee in, mm -hmm. right? So we're getting the. I mean, that's the that's the cold hard truth that a, that a young teenager needs to hear here, especially after a second ACL. Guess what? When you're Erica's age or when you're my age, like. You want to be playing with your children and your grandchildren, and you are going to probably have massive arthritis, if not, you know, partial knee replacements. You're going to have full knee replacements. And why are we doing this? For what? Scholarships? For what? Mm -hmm. As a parent to say, like, my daughter or my son, you know, plays for this. Like, 
I, I just I I truly believe, and this will definitely piss off a lot of parents, that parents are trying to live through their children. And yeah. and it's it's unfair because the mental piece to these kids is suffering. They got enough things going on. This isn't a woe is me for them. Every generation has their things going on. But this generation with with having that, you know, the, the COVID and and having the access to cell phones and the internet and all that, it is different for a kid these days now. And that mental piece is so darn important. And why are we putting our, our children, you know? It's borderline abuse when you're putting these kids back, you know? Okay, so they want to. You're not for, necessarily forcing them, but eh, maybe in the tone of your voice and the conversation that you're having, like, you don't know. Like, you don't know how you're, you know, or you don't know if your child is listening to you talk to another parent about, you know, about you. So, mm-hmm. uh I just I'm very hesitant about, you know, and that's why I, I I'm hard on the 12 months. you got to really be an outlier and show me in your numbers that that you're ready to go before 12 months. You know, but as far as an ACL surgery, you're, you're not convincing me that you that you should go back before that. And guess what? Some of them should be closer to 15 to 18 months, yeah. you know, yeah. but you're missing. We know what that does. You know, God forbid you tell a sophomore that, that they're out for 15 months. There goes my scholarships. There goes this. Like, you know, how am I going to play? Like, I'll be a senior by the time I play again. Well, guess what? You have the rest of your life to do other things too, you know? Like, at 24, 25, chances are you're not playing in the NWSL and you're, you know, you're working a sales job or you're working, you know, a finance job or something and you're not even doing this anymore, you know? So let's put it, let's put everything in perspective. Um, you have the rest and- of your life to live i mean exactly what my coworker and and myself go through here you know he created a system that we use i mean he was he was an olympian he was a hall of famer for rowing in the 90s and he saw this he saw that at the highest level athletes were still breaking down and getting injured And he's like we got the best trainers in the world here how are Mm -hmm. we olympians and yet we're still getting injured something's not right and it's because the human body and the mind is very good at compensating to get it done and athletes do that very well very good at compensating you push to get it done but when you train that that compensatory pattern all the time eventually it's going to break so a lot of athletes will do that they'll just push and push and push just to get to that peak but what's the trade-off you can't walk when you're 40 you have to have these surgeries and it's like it doesn't have to be that hard to have true athletic performance especially like you said eric we have all these resources now like i, I feel like athletes are going to be like cyborgs everything's going to be dialed in and it's going to be the one that's going to compete the, the best is going to be the one that just has that little notch or just dialed in a little bit more? I mean, to look at all this, you know, high-level sprinters. I mean, it's it's like a millisecond different. You know, you look at NFL. These guys are all the same size. They're all beasts. Who's going to get to the ball faster? You know, it's just yeah. it's just everyone is so close, and we have all these things to dial in. We don't need to destroy our bodies to get there and have the performance. So I think this all this knowledge gives people and empowers them to just be smarter about it, and you can have a happier life. Why do we have to live like this, you know? Yeah. Erica, where, where can, I mean, you have an incredible podcast. So uh, how can people find you kind of give us a, you know, all of the platforms that you're on. I'm on Instagram and Twitter at fit soccer queen. And my podcast is only on YouTube and it's just uh, the soccer Queens podcast. The soccer Queens podcast. Mike, where can they find you? I'm on LinkedIn, Mike St. George. Um, I'm on Instagram, the honey badger underscore juicy. Uh, we're going to be making a clinic Instagram page. 
Um, and that, you know, that's really where we're kind of putting the info out. And then we got the Coach Haas podcast co-host. Yeah. You can find me at Coach underscore Haas on Instagram. Uh, you just put in Coach Haas in any search box. You're going to, you know, find me on the, on the, with the podcast and the Facebook page, things like that. Erica, uh, we are definitely going to book you again to get you on here because there's probably four or five things that I have here. I just don't want to keep, you know, going. Uh, Algorithm-wise also, you know, sometimes on YouTube, after I think 50 minutes, some of the, the podcasts don't get picked up as much either. So, But this better get picked up. This better, you know, get tons of views, tons of listens because this is ultra, ultra powerful. I cannot thank you again. Uh, we definitely, now that, you know, we're only two towns away from one another, let's get together. Yep. Um, I can certainly take you, you know, show you the quick board and show you some of the, uh, the wheeler technology that I'm using also. And, um, you know, let, let's make that happen, but we'll get you on again. Thank you again so much for, uh, yeah, for being on. Yeah, thank you so awesome. much. All right. Have a great weekend. All right. Take care. Okay. Thanks.